Section 9 of Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume 2 by washington irving book five containing the first part of the reign of peter stuyvesant and his troubles with the amphicytonic council chapter one to a profound philosopher like myself who am apt to see clear through a subject where the penetration of ordinary people extends but half way there is no fact more simple and manifest than that the death of a great man is a matter of very little importance much as we may think of ourselves and much as we may excite the empty plaudits of the million it is certain that the greatest among us do actually fill but an exceedingly small space in the world and it is equally certain that even that small space is quickly supplied when we leave it vacant of what consequence is it said pliny that individuals appear or make their exit the world is a theatre whose scenes and actors are continually changing never did philosophers speak more correctly and i only wonder that so wise a remark could have existed so many ages and mankind not have laid it more to heart sage follows on in the footsteps of sage one hero just steps out of his triumphal car to make way for the hero who comes after him and of the proudest monarch it is merely said that he slept with his fathers and his successor reigned in his stead the world to tell the private truth cares but little for their loss and if left to itself would soon forget to grieve and though a nation has often been figuratively drowned in tears on the death of a great man yet it is ten to one if an individual tear has been shed on the occasion excepting for the forlorn pen of some hungry author it is the historian the biographer and the poet who have the whole burden of grief to sustain who kind souls like undertakers in england act the part of chief mourners who inflate a nation with sighs it never heaved and deluge it with tears it never dreamt of shedding thus while the patriotic author is weeping and howling in prose in blank verse and in rhyme in collecting the drops of public sorrow into his volume as into a lacrimal vase it is more than probable his fellow-citizens are eating and drinking fiddling and dancing as utterly ignorant of the bitter lamentations made in their name as are those men of straw john doe and richard roe of the plaintiffs for whom they are generously pleased to become sureties the most glorious hero that ever desolated nations might have mouldered into oblivion among the rubbish of his own monument did not some historian take him into favor and benevolently transmit his name to posterity and much as the valiant william keeft worried and bustled and turmoiled while he had the destinies of a whole colony in his hand i question seriously whether he will not be obliged to this authentic history for all his future celebrity his exit occasioned no convulsion in the city of new amsterdam nor its vicinity 
the earth trembled not neither did any stars shoot from their spheres the heavens were not shrouded in black as poets would fain persuade us they have been on the death of a hero the rocks hard-hearted varlets melted not into tears nor did the trees hang their heads in silent sorrow and as to the sun he lay abed the next night just as long and showed as jolly a face when he rose as he ever did on the same day of the month in any year either before or since the good people of new amsterdam one and all declared that he had been a very busy active bustling little governor that he was the father of his country that he was the noblest work of god that he was a man take him for all in all they never should look upon his like again together with sundry other civil and affectionate speeches regularly said on the death of all great men after which they smoked their pipes thought no more about him and peter stuyvesant succeeded to his station peter stuyvesant was the last and like the renowned voucher van twiller the best of our ancient dutch governors voucher having surpassed all who preceded him and peter or Piet, as he was sociably called by the old dutch burghers who were ever prone to familiarize names having never been equalled by any successor he was in fact the very man fitted by nature to retrieve the desperate fortunes of her beloved province had not the fates those most potent and unrelenting of all ancient spinsters destined them to inextricable confusion to say merely that he was a hero would be doing him great injustice he was in truth a combination of heroes for he was of a sturdy raw-boned make like ajax telamon with a pair of round shoulders that hercules would have given his hide for meaning his lion's hide when he undertook to ease old atlas of his load he was moreover as plutarch describes coriolanus not only terrible for the force of his arm but likewise for his voice which sounded as though it came out of a barrel and like the self-same warrior he possessed a sovereign contempt for the sovereign people and an iron aspect which was enough of itself to make the very bowels of his adversaries quake with terror and dismay all this martial excellency of appearance was inexpressibly heightened by an accidental advantage with which i am surprised that neither homer nor virgil have graced any of their heroes this was nothing less than a wooden leg which was the only prize he had gained in bravely fighting the battles of his country but of which he was so proud that he was often heard to declare he valued it more than all his other limbs put together indeed so highly did he esteem it that he had it gallantly enchased and relieved with silver devices which caused it to be related in diverse histories and legends that he wore a silver leg like that choleric warrior achilles he was somewhat subject to extempore bursts of passion which were rather unpleasant to his favorites and attendants whose perceptions he was apt to quicken after the manner of his illustrious imitator peter the great by anointing their shoulders with his walking-staff though i cannot find that he had read plato or aristotle or hobbes or bacon or algernon sidney or tom paine yet did he sometimes manifest a shrewdness and sagacity in his measures that one would hardly expect from a man who did not know greek and had never studied the ancients true it is 
and i confess it with sorrow that he had had an unreasonable aversion to experiments and was fond of governing his province after the simplest manner then he contrived to keep it in better order than did the erudite kieft though he had all the philosophers ancient and modern to assist and perplex him i must likewise own that he made but very few laws but then again he took care that those few were rigidly and impartially enforced and i do not know but justice on the whole was as well administered as if there had been volumes of sage acts and statutes yearly made and daily neglected and forgotten he was in fact the very reverse of his predecessors being neither tranquil and inert like walter the doubter nor restless and fidgeting like william the testy but a man or rather a governor of such uncommon activity and decision of mind that he never sought nor accepted the advice of others depending bravely upon his single head as would a hero of yore upon his single arm to carry him through all difficulties and dangers to tell the simple truth he wanted nothing more to complete him as a statesman than to think always right for no one can say but that he was always acted as he thought he was never a man to flinch when he found himself in a scrape but to dash forward through thick and thin trusting by hook or by crook to make all things straight in the end in a word he possessed in an eminent degree that great quality in a statesman called perseverance by the polite but nicknamed obstinacy by the vulgar a wonderful salve for official blunders since he who perseveres in error without flinching gets the credit of boldness and consistency while he who wavers in seeking to do what is right gets stigmatized as a trimmer this much is certain and it is a maxim well worthy the attention of all legislators great and small who stand shaking in the wind irresolute which way to steer that a ruler who follows his own will pleases himself while he who seeks to satisfy the wishes and whims of others runs great risk of pleasing nobody there is nothing too like putting down one's foot resolutely when in doubt and letting things take their course the clock that stands still points right twice in the four-and-twenty hours while others may keep going continually and be continually going wrong nor did this magnanimous quality escape the discernment of the good people of new netherlands on the contrary so much were they struck with the independent will and vigorous resolution displayed on all occasions by their new governor that they universally called him hart kopik piet or peter the headstrong a great compliment to the strength of his understanding if from all that i have said thou dost not gather worthy reader that peter stuyvesant was a tough sturdy valiant weather-beaten meddlesome obstinate leathern-sided lion-hearted generous-spirited old governor either i have written to but little purpose or thou art very dull at drawing conclusions this most excellent governor commenced his administration on the twenty ninth of may sixteen forty seven a remarkably stormy day distinguished in all the almanacs of the time which have come down to us by the name of windy friday as he was very jealous of his personal and official dignity he was inaugurated into office with great ceremony the goodly oaken chair of the renowned Walter van twiller being carefully preserved for such occasions in like manner as the chair and stone 
were reverentially preserved at scone in scotland for the coronation of the caledonian monarchs i must not omit to mention that the tempestuous state of the elements together with its being that unlucky day of the week termed hanging day did not fail to excite much grave speculation and diverse very reasonable apprehensions among the more ancient and enlightened inhabitants and several of the sager sects who were reputed to be not a little skilled in the mysteries of astrology and fortune-telling did declare outright that there were omens of a disastrous administration an event that came to be lamentably verified and which proves beyond dispute the wisdom of attending to those preternatural intimations furnished by dreams and visions the flying of birds falling of stones and cackling of geese on which the sages and rulers of ancient times placed such reliance or to those shootings of stars eclipses of the moon howlings of dogs and flarings of candles carefully noted and interpreted by the oracular sibyls of our day who in my humble opinion are the legitimate inheritors and preservers of the ancient science of divination this much is certain that governor stuyvesant succeeded to the chair of state at a turbulent period when foes thronged and threatened from without when anarchy and stiff-necked opposition reigned rampant within when the authority of their high mightiness the lord's states general though supported by economy and defended by speeches protests and proclamations yet tottered to its very centre and when the great city of new amsterdam though fortified by flagstaffs trumpeters and windmills seemed like some fair lady of easy virtue to lie open to attack and ready to yield to the first invader footnotes see the histories of masters jocelyn and blom end of section nine recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida